This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and per usual, I am joined by Rachel Sass. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Recently-ish, back from Colorado, where I spent uh, four or five days freezing. <laughs> You've defrosted now that you come back to the desert? <laughs> yes, I finally defrosted. I was just cold constantly. It was chilly. From the pictures you said, that was a lot of snow. Yeah, it was that's, a lot of some, snow. That's some white stuff. You know, we're mm-hmm. just used to brown stuff around here. I don't know what that white stuff is. Yeah, yeah. It was everywhere. It was coming from below and above. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they kind of had their first storm of the year while I was there. So I, I got all of it. Walking around, driving around, flying around, the whole the whole deal. <laughs> Again, Brent, that that the mistake of not packing your ski gear. You had fresh powder access. Yeah, you're right. Come on. You're right. You're right. I I, I can't uh, argue against this. <laughs> you're making a very very lucid point. But it was a good trip, and I I did have a nice time, and it was pretty, despite the coldness. It was very pretty. Southwest Colorado is is a very scenic place, so I enjoyed that. Good. Good. Yeah. So I have this um, irrational level of love for a particular English soccer team called Arsenal. Uh And uh, I follow them religiously. um, Some might say cultishly. (laughs) And um, they have they've had a bit of an up and down season. But this weekend they won and they won quite handily three nil. And that usually helps no matter you know, how much I'm trying to thaw my fingers and toes out uh, and recover from that sort of uh, cold weather misery. Arsenal winning over the weekend will will pretty much make my week. <laughs> you could have been stuck in a blizzard. There could have been like six feet of snow outside your door, but they won. Yeah. Salt and wounds if they had lost. <laughs> Major salt and wounds. <laughs> was it a good yep. game? Was it just like uh, like the entire game was good or kind of like right at the end they got they scored all the points? No, it was it was mostly good. I'd say the first 15 20 minutes were kind of rough, but then uh uh Arsenal scored their first goal, which was a very lovely goal. And after that, it was off to the races. So it was, uh, yeah, after that was much more enjoyable. The second half was better. They were, they were quite commanding in the second half. And it's, it's more fun to watch your team when they've got a good grasp or a good hold on the game than watch your team struggle and barely be able to apparently play the game that they are professionals and paid to do. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, that, that, it, an opposite result literally will will ruin my weekend. Like I will be in a bad mood. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that goes for mo- most sports fans, right? I I have a, a a friend that is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, and um, every year a bunch of our friends we would do a big like ski trip, snowboard trip. And everyone knew. And so it with, and we had a bunch of couples. And so 
we would all just rent like a big Airbnb and then each couple would take care of dinner for the night. And everyone knew when it was his night, make sure the Cowboys are not playing. Because if the Cowboys would lose, we're all going to get raw meat basically for dinner, which happened <laughs> one night. We all got like basically raw hamburgers because uh, the Cowboys lost very, very terribly. So it can, I get it. I get it. It can ruin someone's complete day. It, it's just, you know, I, I get it. Sports, sports are a big thing. Yeah. For some people, for some degenerates, sports are a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, so it was a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, uh, my husband's from Georgia and um, was it two weekends ago was the SEC championship game, mm-hmm. Georgia versus Alabama. Of course, it's always against Alabama and Georgia was number one this year. Everyone thought they were definitely the pick. They were going to beat Bama finally. It was a terrible game. And uh, I, I check on my husband halfway through and he's just he's miserable. He's so miserable. And it was really, really sad to see. Um, and now we'll guess we'll see in the playoffs what, what happens next and if we have to go up against Bama again. But I get it. It's yeah. tough. It's yeah. Tough. Well, you know, you should somewhat understand because you went to the University of Arizona. So you have watched some pretty terrible teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's been some really harsh U of A games this year. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to to watch my my Wildcats play this year. How many games did you get through during this the year? Football? Yeah, this year. Um, for the Wildcats, I would say a half. Wow. <laughs> a half of a game. Wow. Um, and I don't think that was like the one game or like, what did we win two games this year? The one or two games that one. we actually won one. Yeah. It wasn't one. that one game either. <laughs> no, I, I, I have to say I did not watch a single one of their football games this season, but usually I, I didn't go to the U of A, so I don't have the same level of mm-hmm. interest we'll say. Um, so usually I'll pay attention for like the first three or four games and then they'll usually lose two or three and then I can stop paying attention because everybody else stops paying attention. But this year it was like right out, right out of the gate. Yeah. They were losing games. So I didn't really have to pay attention to them at all. It was yeah. quite handy for me. Yeah, I think it was it was really bad when the announcers um, at the beginning before we won the one game um, would say, you know, that the U of A hasn't won a game in like over two years, which sounds really awful right but then you have to think okay well we did come out of a, the, the pandemic yeah and so technically was... yeah we have not played in like a year so you had to take that with a grain of salt but yeah when you when you kept hearing those statistics over and over again U of A hasn't won in two years you're like oh man this is this is hard to be a wildcat alone right yeah they were juicing those statistics a little bit but the point is is well stated they had a very difficult run, and I think that difficult run could continue into next season, unfortunately. Yeah. There's always basketball. That's the There's thing with the U of A. There's always basketball. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm really intrigued about basketball this year and what's what's going to happen, right, when we've got our our new coach and just kind of a new new era of U of A basketball. We'll we'll see. So far so good. It sounds like yeah. I've not I've not watched any of the games yet, but I've seen a lot of my friends posting and they've they've been at a lot of the games. So looks so like far, it's gonna so be good. okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so far so good. They uh they're nine and at the moment. They've won some good games and uh we'll see. We'll see how that carries into conference play. It's always a little bit of a different story once you start playing uh teams close to home. But yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, to be continued. Uh, So to talk about something that is the opposite of sports or maybe uh, sports, but in a parallel universe. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that we should revisit Britney Spears. What is going on with our dear friend, Britney Spears? Yes, absolutely. I, I like this. I love this conversation. But it's really sad to say, okay, right, if we're kind of going back to the sports analogies, right, and mm-hmm. like winning and losing, um, I think we're like 0 for 3 on all of our predictions of Britney Spears, though, right? We had our first, first, what's going on, what actually happened, then mm-hmm. we gave us an update, mm-hmm. and then now we're going to give another update, and I think, yeah, every single time um, the predictions have been wrong, which... Which happens, which happens. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, you know, we, we're not, uh, we're not fortune tellers. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully nobody's putting any money on any of these predictions. Yeah. <laughs> this is just for interested parties. Well, we'll catch us up then. What's going on with Brittany? Yeah. And, so... and we're really, so everybody's clear. We're going to be talking about her conservatorship, not about like new songs or albums or tours or residencies in hotel casinos or anything like that. Just the conservatorship. Yes. Yes. The hashtag free Brittany movement, which is just as exciting as hearing about anything that she's going to be doing music related. Um, but yeah, so I think where we left off last was, um, you know, I guess it were just kind of a quick recap, right? So it, everything kind of really kicked off this last year because you had that New York Times documentary that came out about her conservatorship that just got a ton of publicity, people actually seeing what a conservatorship really is and kind of the, the controls that can be placed upon a conservatee. And so that really started the movement of hashtag free Britney. She was able to finally hire her own attorney, and that really started uh, moving the ball down the hill. And her new attorney has been a fabulous advocate for her and really kind of got things going where they were originally going to try and remove her father as the conservator because that apparently was the biggest concern um, of Brittany just really uh, disagreeing with her father, not um, not thinking that he's the best choice for her. And that's where we were kind of predicting, oh, we'll probably just get a new conservator in here. But turns out, uh, where we last left off, there was going to be a hearing because there was a petition filed to actually end the conservatorship. And the judge did it. They terminated the conservatorship. It happened in about mid-November. And um, Brittany is now free. So hashtag free Brittany finally happened. Um, of course, the drama still continues, which we'll, we'll talk about. But the conservatorship has actually officially been terminated. So huge update right there. I I never saw that coming, honestly. So what do, what do you think? No, no, no. I, I don't know that I really saw it coming either. Well, not in the manner that it happened, I guess I should say, because they had requested for a termination of the conservatorship without the need of any additional medical examinations. Now, I have no idea how recently, say, uh, the last or the prior medical examination had been. And I'm I'm fairly certain that the court also had uh, access to medical records relating to her. So the court probably already knew, you know, what what the medical report was. Uh, from last year. So, but there's a lot of information that we don't have, but they had requested termination of the conservatorship without any more examination of really of, of her physically or mentally. And yeah, the judge granted it. So that, that I would not have predicted necessarily. The fact that the conservatorship could have ended, um, certainly that 
was a possibility. I, I don't think I ever thought that the, it, it would go on indefinitely for no reason whatsoever. Um, but it is a bit of a surprise that it that it was terminated so quickly. But again, we don't have access to the court files. So we don't really know what was in the hands of the judge. And maybe this was something that the judge was actually considering for a long time, but nobody was uh, acting on uh, Britney Spears's behalf and asking the judge for this relief. And through the court procedural rules, perhaps the judge felt like, well, this was something that has to be requested of the court uh, under the circumstances rather than the court just taking their own initiative. Um, there was, a, as you might recall, that hearing um, not too long after she got her own lawyer where she, Brittany, actually appeared and gave her own testimony. And it's possible that from that hearing and from sort of hearing Brittany and in in watching Brittany testify that the the judge got enough of the message and, and enough evidence that Brittany was able to make her own decisions, didn't need the conservatorship anymore. Um, and maybe also from that information, the judge looked back at, well, what was the initial reasoning for the conservatorship? And do those reasons still persist today, given you know the way that Brittany's able to act and in front of the judge and and provide provide testimony, et cetera. You know, do those do those reasons still exist? Do they still underpin uh, the necessity of having a conservatorship? Obviously, whatever the reason was, the judge thought that there wasn't sufficient grounds to have the conservatorship anymore. So that that piece of it is over. But if only that were the end of the story, Rachel. Only that were the end of the story. Um, but well, first, actually, I want to back up because you, you brought mm. up some really good nuggets there. Sure. Um, you know, and in talking about how, you know, they they had requested um, no more evaluations of her, her mental health anymore. And I think that's important to just distinguish again for all of our listeners that, you know, that obviously this is a California case and we are Arizona attorneys. We are not licensed California attorneys. But when you have a conservatorship, with Britney Spears, there were two parts, right? There was the conservatorship of the estate, which is the financial part of it. And then there's, then there's the conservatorship of the person, which in Arizona we would call a guardianship. And so that's more of making sure um, that her health is taken care of. You kind of have the the powers of like a, a parent would have to a minor child. And so um, to your point, you know, when we heard Britney testify for the first time this year, I think that really did go to the to the point of does she have the mental capacity? And typically in Arizona, when you have a guardianship or you know the conservatorship of the person for California, every year you're filing annual reports and you're letting the court know how is the conservatee doing. And in addition to that, you're including like a doctor's report and the doctor's going to put their findings as well. And in Arizona, on all of those reports, there's always the question. Does the conservator, does does the guardianship need to be continued? Yes or no? And you have to explain why. And so to your point, you know, depending on what these reports were saying, and then obviously the judge taking into consideration Brittany's own testimony, I think all of that really played a big factor into whether or not that conservatorship was going to be terminated. Yeah, and I think that's right. And and I think that's helpful too. It gives a little bit of context to the fact that the judge, it's unlikely, I should say, that the judge was considering the request in a vacuum or that that hearing at which uh, Brittany appeared and gave testimony was the sole source of evidence for the judge to consider in making the judge's decision. So I, I think people have to understand that, that there's a, uh, although there's a little bit of 
of theater around some of these hearings. And obviously this is a big media type case. So there's a lot of theater that goes along with uh, before the hearings and during the hearings and after the hearings um, between the judge, between the, uh, the parties and their lawyers and public statements and things that the judge is not making a decision in within that context. The judge is making a, a decision that's probably in a much broader context and certainly with much more information in front of the judge than we'll ever have access to, which is fine for good reason. We shouldn't have access to all that information because if you or I were in a similar circumstance to Brittany, we wouldn't want all that information to be public information either. So, you know, there's good privacy reasons for that. And so, you know, the judge was was sitting in a position with a lot more facts and a lot more information in front of her than what you or I or anybody else have in front of them. So to a degree, we're, we're speculating here. But uh, so the conservatorship was terminated, which means that her dad is no longer in charge of making her financial decisions. There's a couple of uh, interesting pieces to this. Uh, one is something that you actually mentioned uh, on a previous episode, Rachel, and the other is a little bit of the prologue to the termination of the conservatorship. So number one is that apparently the plan is to form some sort of trust for her and to hold her, I'm assuming all of, as much of her assets as they can get in the trust inside of the trust. Maybe get a little bit, give a little bit of gloss to that, why that might be the case and how that may not necessarily mean that Brittany is going to be making every single decision for herself for here and forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hearing that she's going to be having her, her estate assets being transitioned over into her trust. I was just like, hallelujah. When I heard that, like, finally, this is what we preach to our clients about why having a revocable trust is so important during your lifetime. It's because of incapacity planning, because it can avoid a conservatorship at the end of the day. And if Brittany decades ago had a, had a trust in place, it might have been a completely different story from where we're at today. So creating a trust, there's different types of trust. She can obviously create an irrevocable trust, put some of her assets into an irrevocable trust. Most likely they are talking about creating a revocable trust for her benefit during her lifetime, which means that as a revocable trust, if she were to actually be the trustee of her own trust, then she would have full control, manage her assets just like she were as if her assets were in her own individual name. And um, the, the way it works by having having a trust and why, again, we preach to our clients that they're a great vehicle for incapacity planning is because you name successor trustees. And so if for any reason you are unable to manage your assets, your successor trustee is going to be able to immediately step into your shoes and manage your assets for you. And so before, when Brittany has everything in her individual name, you don't have anyone appointed for you. And, you know, if she didn't have any powers of attorneys or if, you know, some institutions maybe didn't um, uh, uh, approve of the powers of attorney, they didn't adhere to whatever, you know, policies, internal policies they had, then in order to be able to manage someone's assets, you have to go to the courts and you need to get someone appointed to have that authority to act. So the trust already gives someone a successor that authority to act for you. And so that's going to be the main thing. Whether or not Brittany is going to be the current trustee of her own trust, that's a different question. Um, you know, she hasn't managed her own assets in a very long time. So I would speculate that she would most likely not be the trustee of her own trust. She's got 
quite a bit of estate assets. I think what the number is between 60 and $80 million worth of assets. So that's quite a bit to, to manage. Um, so she can appoint a successor trustee and that could still be an individual. It could be a CPA, it could be a bank, it could be a trust company like we've seen before. I doubt it is going to be her father, um, but it really can be anyone that, that she chooses and that she's comfortable with. And then that individual can manage her assets. And depending on how her trust is written, Brittany still does have a lot of control where she can change the trustee out during her lifetime. If she wanted to revoke the trust, she could be able to do that. Again, it all depends on how the trust agreement is written, but she still has a degree of control over all her assets, but she doesn't actually have to do all the managing of it. And, you know, we talked with a lot of our clients and sometimes when our clients start to get a little bit more older and they're having a little bit more health problems and they have their successor trustee step in, but they're still fully able to manage their assets if they want to. A lot of the times our clients love that. Cause they're like, you know what? I don't have to pay my bills anymore. I don't have to deal with this. My successor trustee, they deal with all of that for me. They just get to sit back and enjoy all of their assets like they would any other day. That's what I'm thinking that Brittany might probably is, is a direction where they're probably gonna be going You've got a professional company who's really good at managing, preserving the assets, yet she's going to be able to have a lot more control than she did the past 10 years and um, still be able to enjoy all the assets as well. Yeah, and uh, I can imagine, I, I don't know if this is the case at all, but in, in that context, I can imagine that if there was a plan to have Brittany form a trust, and maybe she had already formed this trust, she just didn't have control of the assets or the major assets that could be put in the trust because of the conservatorship, that there may have been already, or there may have been a plan already to have another trustee who would then take care of everything for her, but in a non-public way, because clearly the the public nature of the proceeding was probably also not uh, in in her interests, ultimately. And so I could also imagine that uh, being a factor that a, a judge would take into account. It, interestingly, since uh, the conservatorship was terminated uh, in the middle of November, and I think this was as recently as like yesterday, uh, today is uh, December 13th, I believe as recently as yesterday, uh, Brittany's dad requested copies of her estate planning documents from the court. That would indicate to me that if there is a trustee who is not Brittany, it is clearly not her dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe again, maybe that indicates that these are documents that were either formed in order to to receive uh, assets from the conservatorship or their uh, their documents that were previously formed or, or signed, and now assets need to be transferred. So if assets need to be transferred into the trust, there would be a process to do that. Uh, whether uh, just terminating the conservatorship then just gives Brittany the authority to do that transaction on her own, or whether her dad is needed to sign documents to do to do the transfers, or the court is going to do it. Um, I don't really know. I don't. I don't know what uh, process they're going to go through to do that, but. At some level, assets would need to be titled into the name of the trustee of the trust. And it's conceivable that if her dad, as sort of the final act of being a conservator and getting getting out of the way, is to then transition the title to the assets from his name as conservator to the new trustee, then he might have a basis for requesting a copy of the documents. But uh, there's no, in in the stories that I've seen, there's there's no indication of exactly what the basis was for, for why he was asking for those documents. Uh, so I'm, I'm pure really speculating here. Nobody take any of anything that I'm saying as factual. This is just me totally speculating. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's so interesting that her father requested the documents and just, you know, the the fact that he was removed as a conservator and then and then the conservatorship is now terminated. It just hmm, it just makes me think. I'm like, hmm, what's what's the motive really behind it? And I thought I had seen um some publication that said that there's a a CPA that was appointed who's like the kind of the, the that was like the temporary conservator that's I guess going to be staying on till about January to help do that transition of assets into the trust and that was part of um the the you know Brittany's petition and and the judge's overall ruling on how we're going to continue to safeguard the estate assets because of course again with the whole point of the conservatorship when you have a conservator of the estate is to protect the assets of of the the conservatee to make sure that we don't dissipate those assets and waste those assets and so that's going to be a huge consideration of the judge and in, in coming to that determination of we need to terminate the conservatorship is making sure that if we're going to terminate the conservatorship we still have that goal of we're not going to waste these assets in the future we don't want to you know have some horrible thing happen to Brittany where we need to have another conservatorship, whatever it may be. We want to make sure these assets are going to be safeguarded. And so I see, you know, that that transition into let's make sure we've got these assets transferred into the name of the trust. To your point earlier, she could have had the trust decade, you know, over a decade ago when the conservatorship was first in there, um, was first uh, instituted, but it just wasn't funded. And which which we again preach to our clients. All right, we did your trust. Now we actually have to fund your trust and make it work for you the way we want it to. And so that's a big thing that, you know, now that the conservatorship has ended, let's truly make sure she has a robust estate plan to protect her assets going forward into the future. So it, it'll be interesting to see the the her father story and the saga of of getting her estate planning documents. I doubt that he's going to be able to get a copy of her estate planning documents unless there's a really great reason behind it, which I just can't think of right now why he would need to see a copy, especially if we've got like a temporary conservator who's going to help that transition of assets. I don't see why he would be able to get access to that. Again, estate planning documents are, are private documents, private for a reason. And when you've got a trust, that's, again, one thing that you can keep out of the public eye. And so I think that by getting her trust going, making sure it is fully funded and acting the way it should act for her, I don't see any reason why we would need to make any of that stuff public or give it to any other individuals who aren't don't need it right now. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. And yeah, as I say, I, I'm not sure what the basis was for her dad asking for these uh, estate planning documents other than curiosity maybe i don't know or to or to uh see confirmation in black and white that he is not in charge and probably not a beneficiary that'd also be my guess is that he's also not named as beneficiary when she passes away if he should survive her there's a yeah (laughs) that's pretty pretty fair guess the other thing that's happening uh and some of this was was sort of threatened and then some of this uh it appears is kind of coming to fruition. So for a little bit of context, one of the one of the complaints uh, or grievances that she and her fans had had was was a perception that her management company and her father had acted somewhat in cahoots to line the pocket of the management company and her manager, a woman named Lou Taylor, uh, and her father. They had signed some contracts that related to 
um, her her performances that apparently were going to pay a minimum, like a floor amount of like half a million dollars to the management company. Um, allegedly, they had lost a bunch of money when she went on a bit of a performance hiatus because of uh, her. I think it was really a mental health type break. Um, and so there was a lot of money, essentially, that was paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was paid to this management company and and the management company uh, is trying to fight for the dollars that it wants. Uh, her dad is defending himself in having signed the contract with the management company that agreed to pay them this half a million dollar floor amount. Her dad is fighting to justify the fees that he paid himself. And her dad's former lawyer at Holland and Knight, which is this massive uh, international law firm, uh, are fighting to justify the fees that apparently they spent over the course of uh, 12 to 18 months on media-related matters that had to do with the New York Times expose on the conservatorship and sort of dealing with some of the media fallout from that and trying to justify the over half a million dollars of legal fees that they charged to deal with those issues that they're claiming had everything to do with protecting Ms. Spears. And of course, Ms. Spears and her new attorney are saying had nothing to do with her and had everything everything to do with protecting her dad. Uh, and of course, then wanting her dad to pay his own fees and not to uh, force uh, Brittany and her estate to pay that half million dollars of legal fees. So there's a lot of kind of juicy issues still to be determined. So it's it's not just it's not just so easy as flipping the switch, I think. Uh, you know, the conservatorship is quote unquote ended, but that doesn't mean that the uh the inquiry into the conservatorship has ended. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think if, you know, it with her case being so highly publicized and, you know, given so much scrutiny over the last year, it's going to take a while to really kind of unwind all of this. And I think the the biggest thing is, you know, when we when we look at conservatorships in Arizona, the conservator has to file an annual account. And it literally shows down to the penny how everything was spent in that last year in that in that account period. And in this case, and you know, the the conservatee is is supposed to get receive a copy of that. But I think what's really interesting now is that we've seen in this last year is Brittany was able to finally hire her own attorney. Now, before she was never able to do that. She didn't have the capacity, um, apparently, to, to do that before. And so now with her having her own legal representation, really scrutinizing every single page, line by line, how every penny was spent over the last 12 to 18 months in the conservatorship, it's going to take a long time to really sort it out. And of course, when you've got family involved, like here, and, you know, tensions are high, people are very upset about how things had been handled throughout the conservatorship. There's, I definitely could see this dragging out for a while on, you know, whether or not any of the conservatorship estate was misappropriated, whether or not fees were excessive. When you're looking at fees, you always want to make sure fees are reasonable. Um, and so that's going to be a big argument going forward. And, you know, that now that Brittany is, you know, hashtag free and has has her voice again, I'm sure she's going to want to use her voice. And she really wants to make a statement that, you know, she was not 
okay. She was not happy with her conservatorship for a very long time. And so she's going to be scrutinizing with her lawyer every single, every single thing that her father had spent money on. And whether or not anything's successful, whether or not she sues for a dollar amount, you know, all of that's to be determined. Um, but I, I definitely don't see it completely winding down for a good while. Yeah. It, now it's it's not clear to to that to that point. It's not clear how many years they can actually go back and protest. Um, it, it seems pretty clear from the the news outlets as accurate as those might be, but it seems pretty clear from the news outlets that at a minimum, uh, 2019 seems to still be open, 2020 seems to still be open, and then of course 2021 is probably still open as well. Um, I'm not, I'm just not seeing anything in the news reels about any prior years, which makes me think, and again, I'm speculating here a little bit, but makes me think that perhaps in the prior years, the conservatorship had, had prepared and submitted accountings to the court and the court had already blessed those years. Uh, and, and just for a little bit of context for people typically in a conservatorship, um, the, the conservator is going to be reporting to the court every single year, every dime or penny that's come in and out of the estate. So everything that's been spent on everything from uh, uh, going to fast food restaurants to paying the lawyers uh, and everything in between. And so all of that's going to be submitted to the court. And generally speaking, on an annual basis, the conservator is going to be asking the court to approve what's been done so the court can approve it. And of course, so that anybody who has uh, an objection, such as, uh, say, Miss Spears' uh, guardian or, or, con- or uh, conservator of the person, uh, they could raise that objection. The court could hear the objection and determine whether something had been done that year. So it just seems to me, as far as I can kind of glean and, and read the tea leaves here, that perhaps before 2019, the accountings for the conservatorship were already approved by the court. And so they're probably not going to be able to go back and challenge that. It's usually a very, very high legal standard to challenge that kind of a court ruling. The court would have had to have made just an egregious error, essentially. That's not the legal terminology for it, but we'll just say like an, an egregious error for uh, in in approving the accounting. So you know, let's say the accountings had been falsified or something and the court blessed it. And so now the the court order blessing the accounting was based on essentially fraud on the court. Like you could go back and, and reconsider that. That would obviously the court can go back and change its mind in that circumstance. So absent something very, very drastic, I think, again, if, if I'm reading the tea leaves right here, I think they're focused on, say, the last two and a half to three years. That does include these big contracts with the management company, some of the really big fees that were paid to some of the lawyers, a certain amount of the fees that were paid to her dad. So uh, I, as you know, again, to your point, I just don't think that if I'm if I'm reading the the between the lines here properly, that they're really going to be able to go back like for decades, like they're not going to be able to go back and do a forensic accounting of the entire conservatorship, because very likely a bunch of stuff that was ha- that uh, happened in the past has already been blessed by the court, and they're not going to be able to go back and challenge it. Yep, I, I completely agree with you there. And you know, honestly, for for good reason, you should, you know, there there needs to be that high standard, right? We, we don't, that's why we have statute of limitations. That's why we have these orders is so that, you know, we actually can close the door on some matters. And here in the last couple of years, it's a little bit more recent. And so those can be opened and we can look at that. Um, but the last decade worth of accounts, not going to be able to look at that. And for, for good reason, let's, let's let yeah. that be the past now. You need some finality, and and generally mm-hmm. speaking, even though these sorts of issues can 
be litigated for years. I mean, it, it can take a long time to really sort through these kinds of issues. Uh, generally speaking, these kinds of statutes, certainly the statute that the Arizona rules are based on, which are very similar to California. They're not identical because California likes to do their own thing, but they're not that much different from Arizona as far as I understand them. Um, but basically, these rules are set up in a way where there is an element of efficiency to it, the process and efficiency, right? Like you, you want to have some efficiency, you want to get to some finality, and at the same time, protect the best interests of the person who is supposed to be protected by the whole proceeding. Yep, exactly. Well, I think, is that it? I think that's our update, right? That's where we are. Yeah, right now. We don't know. Uh, we don't know how any of this is going to shake out. We don't know. Uh, we don't know how much of this is actually going to be litigated. And I don't think that her legal team has even decided yet, mm-hmm. uh, at least not openly. But it just, you know, I, you mentioned it. And I think what what we'll be watching here as further things are coming out on this is what they do because it appears that they are investigating what's happened and they're doing a forensic accounting of what has happened. So then they have to decide whether uh, there's anything untoward in what they found and probably also whether the, the, you know, let's say they found misconduct of some variety, which ultimately means money being spent improperly, um, then they're going to have to decide whether it's worth spending additional legal fees to go after uh, fixing those those improprieties. And there is, at least generally speaking, a sort of cost-benefit analysis that you you should be weighing in these circumstances. You shouldn't just be spending money needlessly. Now, the difference in this case interestingly, and I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out, is that because the conservatorship is over, essentially at this point, Brittany is spending her own money. Mm-hmm. And under under regular circumstances in a conservatorship where you're fighting over what's been done in the conservatorship, you're supposed to be weighing pretty, pretty carefully the cost and benefit of spending the conservatees' money to fight these issues because you don't want to spend more of their money than you're going to gain out of the issue, out of out of the result potentially. But in this case, there isn't that that element. It's Brittany spending her own money. And so she, you know, she's a normal human. She doesn't owe any duty to anybody. She, if she wants to spend $10 million to go after $10,000, you know, she's, it's a free country. She can do it if she wants. So I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Um, I think it would be foolish to spend more money on legal fees than you could possibly squeeze out of your dad. But people have done stranger things in the past under yeah. different circumstances. <laughs> exactly. When when you have a uh, bad family blood going on and things you you want to rectify in your world, um, it's you know out of the the clients just want to do it out of principle, right? It's always out of principle is what they say. And to your point, it's their money. They can do whatever they want at that point, but you know, I'm sure her attorney is going to advise her whether or not it is a good idea to really pursue it and whether or not it'd be worthwhile. But if she wants to do it out of principle, then she can certainly do it. We we will we'll see. Yeah, we will see. Well, all right, we'll leave it there. To be continued. I'm quite sure uh, there will be more to discuss on this topic, but it's a, it's an interesting circumstance. It really is an important topic. I mean, it's it's illustrative of a very important topic and uh, something that really should be discussed. And, it, you know, maybe in a future episode, we can debate the merits of conservatorships and how they're set up and how they actually operate uh, and changes that that ought to happen uh, in the future. But we'll leave that for another day. 
As usual, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, always a pleasure to talk about Britney Spears. Yeah, isn't it? (laughs) Hey, listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information, and I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, uh, subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about, and also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law, basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much. Thank you.